On today's Stuncast, we review the alternative factor. The universe gets all winky, and there's a guy on a planet, and he's mad, and he fights another guy, and they're both blue and Lazarus, but one has a head injury, and they they need dilithium crystals, but there's two universes, and one's an antimatter universe, and so will the universes explode, or will, will Kirk stop it? Find out on set podcast to stun! Hello, feeble-minded humans, and welcome to Set Podcast to Stun, the podcast where we explore, explain, and enjoy the Star Trek franchise. I'm Clint the Q, joined by Chancellor Emily Gowron, and Subcommander Corey. Hey, I have a chat chat tweet that I wanted to share. Oh, let's hear it. And we'll introduce another chat chat. Yeah, Clint, chat chat. Can we get chat. some theme music for chat chat? Oh, Clint does the theme song live for chat chat. Chat chat. <laughs> like that was very jazzy. <laughs> so William Shatner, who is the man that plays um, Captain James T. Kirk on Star Trek, he mm-hmm. tweeted on July twenty eighth. About someone who was trolling him. No, why would you troll William Shatner? Stay away from William Shatner. That man's a legend. So I'd like to read what the troll tweet was. It's from Nick Acosta, and he said, and I'm going to read this like a fucking troll deserves to be read. (laughs) Okay. I looked for the worst footage I had on my hard drive to upscale to 4K. That was William Shatner singing Rocket Man. (laughs) William Shatner, in response to that, said, Well, I looked on my timeline for the dumbest person and found him, a blue check (laughs) troll who tagged me in a silly tweet and then liked his own tweet, so I blocked him. Emoji (laughs) laughing to the side with tears in his eyes. Burn. Kurt claps back. So, again, the troll tweet is, I looked for the worst footage I had on my hard drive to upscale to 4K. That was William Shatner singing Rocket Man. Is that him singing the Rocket Man song? Yeah. Yes. Also, is he saying that the quality of the file is bad? That is exactly what he's saying. He's saying, I was looking for the worst quality footage that I could upscale to 4K, and that happened to be this clip of William Shatner singing Rocket Man. So it's not really saying that Shatner is bad. No, not in any way, shape, or form. The fact that he's trying to upscale this audio probably means that he's a William Shatner fan. William Shatner has demonstrated just what happens to you if you even think about saying something bad to him, which is a valuable lesson to us all. I also have some William Shatner news I saw recently. This was like a week or two ago, but it was basically an interview, basically William Shatner declaring that humanity won't survive to see a Star Trek future. Like, we're just gonna kill ourselves (laughs) in like, you know, climate change hellfire before we ever make it to another planet or outside our solar system. So I thought that was funny. I love how like darkly accurate he is he's just like you love star trek well you'll never see it (laughs) 
Well, <laughs> to be fair, in the Star Trek universe, there is a horrible World War Three that wipes out like half the world's That's population before true. Star Trek can occur. So I would say we are on a fantastic trajectory. So- yeah, I was going to say, by that logic, do we need to start a World War Three in order to get to the Star Trek world? Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. okay. Well, well, and what we need, because, you know, like, GMO corn and plants and crops are, like, a way that people are, are kind of using to deal with climate change. Mm-hmm. You know, like, plants that are more resilient to disease and, and temperatures and stuff. So that we're just another step away from GMO people. That's true. And... Uh, you know, everything is made out of soy these days, which seems kind of like replicator technology. We just need to start making the soy taste like lots of different things and giving it all our nutrients, and then we'll be there. Yeah, mm. but have you guys considered that there's probably going to be a shortage of sword toothpicks if we're going to live in this dystopia for a little repeat while? Th- repeat that, Corey. Oh, no. Okay. <laughs> I, s- I said, um, but have you considered that there's going to be a shortage of sword-shaped toothpicks if we continue? Oh my god! <laughs> Fuck this! <laughs> Hold on. It was a stupid joke anyway. It doesn't fucking matter. <laughs> I do want to hear Corey's stupid joke though. I know. All right. Well, I've gone on Discord on my laptop for work. In a, for a job I don't have anymore, and I was always afraid to go to Discord on it. But here I am. Oh. Cool, we can hear you. Hi. Yeah, no, I know you can because it's the most powerful laptop that the school district could afford. <laughs> oh no! So it's about to burst into flames. At yeah. <laughs> okay. So, it's so only ten years old. So in the future, <laughs> because all the food <laughs> is in cube form, and it's all made of soy. They're not going to have enough sword-shaped toothpicks to put in all of it. <laughs> I feel like anytime we have technical difficulties from now on, we just need to call it a sword-shaped toothpick. It's a real sword, sword-shaped sword toothpick situation. What a great, concise way to put that. Yeah. Uh, okay. And I was also going to say, uh, this entire intro has gone... It's fitting that this is a horrible terrible intro because this is a horrible terrible episode that's no, a, that's a, i loved it you love this episode i love this episode <laughs> it makes sense this episode is like just such a like hot mess of chaos <laughs> of course you're like oh let me get some more of this I, I kept waiting for the moment when hate overwhelmed me, but instead I was just like pleasantly enjoying the stupidness the whole time. <laughs> I didn't hate it. I loved it. I feel like that's how people can, like what people say about our podcast is that <laughs> you think you'd hate it, but you just enjoy the stupidness. You just let it wash over you. Yeah. All right. So this week we are reviewing the alternative factor which is probably the dumbest name of an episode so far. Yeah, it feels like a real placeholder. Like, they're like, I'll just call it this for now. And then somehow it made it all the way to production without something better getting put in there. It was directed by Gerd Oswald, I think. He's a German director. It was written by Don Ingalls. And it originally aired on March 30th of 1967. Might as well have been written by Don Knotts for how silly the plot was. 
Ooh. Any of you kids out there get that one? Shit, shit. I didn't even get that one. <laughs> All right. So yeah, let's, I have a new uh, I have let's... a new character I'm developing, and it's 1960s boy, where I only reference like people who had their 15 minutes of fame, and people in the 60s would clearly know in our episode. Like, oh, she's about as pretty as Maria Glambert, if you know what I mean. I'm here for 1960s boy. That'll be great. So when we uh, put our po- uh, podcast in a, a reverse time capsule, it'll when it gets to the 60s, people will love this. Okay, you're very horny to introduce the episode. You keep giving us little puns here, so go for it. Well, I, I don't... I mean, you're you're the plot guy, so kick us off, Corey. Oh, that, sorry, that's my job. Gonna lob that tennis ball right back at you, Chef. All right, so let's do this episode. The Enterprise yeah. is doing something in space. I don't know what it was. They were doing some mission, surveying some stuff, like, above a planet. Suddenly... The universe blinks. Or winks. Winky, winks. Winky. Well, winky, winky. Yeah. actually, first it winks. In the script, they say it winked, and then it blinks for the rest of the uh, episode. Okay. Uh-oh. I can, I can accept that. Scientifically, those are very different uh, space-time phenomena, so it's, it's good to be clear. Is, is just like winking a bit sexier? Is that like then blinking or no? Well, you're you're familiar with the physic scale of universal sexiness, which is not about you know sexual attraction, but the sexiness of universal movements like black holes, entropy. They scale it on one to six of sexiness and not sexiness. So yes, Clint, you're correct. Um, scientists do say that a wink, a cosmic wink, is is much more sexy than a blink. Wait, the scale only goes up to six. <laughs> it's it's you might have not heard Clint. It's the sexiness Richter scale of cosmic sexiness. You probably you've heard of it. Yeah, this is super famous. Okay. So, would one of you like to paint a mind picture for listeners about what these universe blink winks are? Because they happen pretty often, and it's a groundbreaking use of 1960s film technology to portray this to the to the viewer uh it's deeply delightful first of all i feel like this is where we get the uh tradition of when something happens to the ship the uh people just kind of like whoa and like grab the furniture nearest them as they shake the camera um the tradition that they've continued all through like tng and ds9 all kinds of great stuff so that happens but then there's also like this psychedelic like acid trip color cut screen that goes on top of it uh so think about like austin powers with like an acid filter like that's that's sort of what happens during these moments sometimes zooming in and out on like a a picture of stars in space yes there's a static picture of just stars and the camera is really quickly zooming in and out on that (laughs) and then you know the effect in like a 1950s movie when it's showing what the press is saying and like the newspaper spin in and then spin out (laughs) they just do that with some like an orange box that's like like really lightly um put in i don't know i i don't really get it but then the music is also very distinct (laughs) while this is all going on i'll put a clip of that in here 
love this effect. It was so of its era, uh, and it made me laugh really hard. And just, I was like, yep, go for it. Um, I'm sure there are things that are happening now. I feel like all of, like, the Christopher Nolan movies and how all the superhero movies are, like, really dark. I feel like in the future, whatever the equivalent of a podcast is, is going to be making fun of that style as being very, like, of its era. And that's what this is like. I just... It's killing me. I love it. It was pretty great. They did lean into it a little too hard, though, because like halfway through, I'm like, man, I'm bored of this effect. I mean, Star Trek, not known for its subtlety. So yeah, they but did it, does it look good. If they did it once, they have to do it like 12 more times. <laughs> so like we just learned this, guys, and we're really excited about it. What does your gut feeling say about how many times this happens in the episode? I want to say eight. I want to say like 15. I mean, I just made a joke, but I think realistically, like, the wrestling with the two guys happens, I think, like, three or four times, and then this wink and blink goes, like, at least another two or three. So what is that, like, seven? Seven to nine, I think? So on the planet below that they're surveying, before there was no life whatsoever. It was just, like, a desert planet. And then after this blink occurs... Spock detects that there is a life sign on the planet that appears to be human. And Kirk's like, is this a possible danger to the ship? And Spock's like, you betcha it is. <laughs> so they beam down to Desert Set 3, which we've which been to a couple all times. all three of us grew up in northern Nevada, and that looked very familiar. If yes. you want to picture the three of us recording, you just picture us on Desert Set number 3 sitting out there with our headphones and our mic we should take a trip out there sometime yeah it's the vasquez rock area out yes in southern california yep. mm-hmm. and i like you to imagine the three of us just recording on our own um separate mesas that are each like a half mile apart as a as a desert thunderstorm rolls in all three of us have like the what tom hanks looked like in castaway that's what all three of us look like beards, scraggly white dreadlocks, little loincloth situation. And a really long, wispy beard that's really, really patchy. We'll get to that. Okay, so they... The beard was so awful. (laughs) They go down to this planet, and there's a strange spaceship there that kind of looks like the car that Homer Simpson's designs. Homer Simpson's. It kind of looks like... Whatever, we'll just keep that... (laughs) I love the spacecraft. It's like number one 1950s kitsch. Like it is so like a stereotypical 1950s spaceship. It's got like the big bubble and like the fins. Again, hilarious and of its era. There's a man standing on on a rock cliff when they arrive and he just starts screaming at them. And he's like, you came we can stop him. You came. The evil. We can stop him. Like he's just raving like a lunatic. And then he just falls from a rock cliff and he plummets to the <laughs> earth. And the reason I'm laughing is that this is not the last time that he will do this for apparently no reason. He does this three times throughout the entire episode. He just stands on top of this rock cliff. And then he just jumps off and falls unconscious for no reason at all. 
And each time he does it, he lets out a scream, which was a stock footage scream. I don't. Do you know what the stock footage scream was from, Clint? Yeah, wasn't it from the Galileo Seven episode? Oh yeah, when the guy gets the spear thrown at his back. Yeah, I'm <laughs> I'm really good at identifying screams. I got a photoscremic memory. I, well, that's good. Yeah, that's actually. I, I didn't just uh, look that up. That's actually on your resume, like your professional mm-hmm. resume. Mm-hmm. What movie is this one from, Clint? Ah. Uh, that's from the second Indiana Jones. Holy shit, dude. Mm-hmm. But I want you to do one now, Emily, so we can see, uh, just keep setting up Clint with some improv responsibility that we have to do nothing on our own part. Oh! Oh, that was uh, from the first uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. That's when um, Johnny... Uh, wait, what's his name? Um, not Johnny Cash. Um, Tremaine. Oh. Oh. Uh, Captain Jack Sparrow. What's his name? Uh, I'm not going to help you with this. I'm just going to keep picturing Johnny Cash in Nightmare on Elm Street. <laughs> Willy Wonka? <laughs> I mean, yeah, but... Edward Scissorhands? Uh, yeah, Edward Scissorhands. It's uh, Johnny Depp. Johnny Depp. <laughs> It was when Johnny Depp was killed in in Nightmare on Elm Street. He was the first one to die. Okay, so they take this man. <laughs> who's, who's in like a half, it's like a Shakespearean getup, but half of it has holes in it. And he has a beard. <sighs> Would we call that a beard? I don't know what to call it. It's He's got like long blonde pubes. On his chin, it's it's clearly I mean, a, a beard. Description. That, yeah, yeah, that's a good. It's clearly a beard that was attached by the the costume department, because the behind the scenes on this looks like it was a hot mess. My partner walked by and said, "Oh, did they have some leftover facial hair from the Klingon episode?" <laughs> <laughs> it's very trim. It's like very straight at the bottom. You know, it's very trimmed. I didn't like it. But it, it's it's real creepy. But it made sense too. Like it was it worked in the context. It was just awful and it was meant to be awful. Imagine that guy kissing you. Like kissing Ugh. your cheek with that little hair <laughs> tickling your neck. But it's long too. It's like the facial hair in um Kill Bill, the the bride's master, who like is always Wait, am I thinking of the right movie where he's like always flicking the beard yes. behind his sh- his shoulder? Yeah. yeah. So it's like that that I mean, beard, but it's like when he was going through puberty. Isn't that beard though like a Fu Manchu, right? It's like a Fu Manchu if that went all the way across your chin. Yeah, it's like a Fu Man grew. And it... once again, I cannot stress enough that it is blonde. <laughs> the worst color for a beard to be because it's like like a polar bear's polar bear's hair it's just basically see-through yeah uh okay bad bad beard bad beard so this these blinks are being felt throughout the entire universe the admiral contacts kirk to let him know that everyone's freaking out um but the the blinks seem to be focused on the planet that kirk is currently at so the episode's mission for Kirk is he needs to find out what's going on here. He doesn't have any backup whatsoever. They issue a Code 1 invasion 
a uh, code factor one code factor like, one in invasion status we got to add this to our our book of, <laughs> of starfleet codes but i think we already saw this code because they said it in the previous episode when the klingons were were about to war and they said code one and they're like oh that means war was declared so I don't know if code factors are different from codes, but this is code factor one. So it's like, I think it's to be on alert for invasion is what code one, code factor one means. There we go, guys. Yeah. And and I don't understand what the what Starfleet's reasoning was beyond like just plot needs for them to say that there's an invasion going on. Like that's a very, very specific threat. And yeah. all that they or- saw was that the universe had like a weird like hiccup. And then they're like, we're being invaded. They think that like a hole just opened up and there's going to be like a whole fleet of aliens coming through to eat them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And Kirk, as Kirk puts it, it's a prelude, a prelude to invasion. (laughs) Did anyone else kind of notice the weird way he pronounced prelude? No. It's a prelude. prelude. There's there's a part where... uh, I think it's when he's like, is this a danger to the ship? And he just gets the most, like, Shatner gets the most expressive, like, series of pangs and angst on his face. Like, not a danger to the ship. (laughs) We did really get some good, like, Shatner acting, kind of that stilted way he talks. We we definitely got that. Yeah, and I will also say, this episode and last episode are some great spot characterizations. Like... Just this, like, deadpan logic that's serious, but also kind of hokey at the same time. Like, we're finally Mm. seeing this character be who we all know. Oh, and Spock gets a real science boner for this winking uh, phenomena. He's really, like, fascinated by it, and he can't wait to to see what happens. Well, at at this point, it is blinking, Clint. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, it's true. And we also, we haven't heard uh, from Bones in a while, but we do get him and it's like, he finally says the line that Kurt, or that Clint keeps saying, I'm just a simple country doctor. And then Kirk's reaction is basically like, you old alcoholic. Like, it's a classic Bones moment as well. Wait, that's, that's a Bones quote? I was just describing myself the whole time. Um... Yes, well, you and Bones are remarkably similar. You're drinking a mint julep on top of your plateau, aren't you? Yes, I am. I am. And I'm not a bricklayer either. That's right. Mm-hmm. I keep reminding people that I don't, I'm not a bricklayer. And periodically you just wander into a room that I'm in with your hands covered in muck, and you're like, I'm a god, I can create anything. <laughs> then you wander out again. Yeah. And then I'm also just calling you and telling you that people are dead. And uh, at any time I'm like, Clint, I'm having a hard time with something. You're like, no, no, stop those feelings coming out of that hole by putting alcohol in it. (laughs) The mouth isn't for feelings to come out of them. It's for alcohol to go into it. Listen to me. I'm a simple country doctor. (laughs) I do. This was the one it's usually like this episode is the only episode where like bones isn't annoying and like Kirk is annoying. Like Kirk is so like, I don't know. He's very head up his own ass again. And there's this one point where I'm like, man, bones is not annoying. And Kirk is annoying. What's going wrong with this episode. 
You it's don't because think... we're in Bizarro World. The wink yeah. switched the universes. Okay, if you don't think McCoy was annoying in this episode, let's move on just a little bit then. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so Kirk goes down to sickbay where this man who has plunged off of a cliff is recovering. And he wakes up and he tells us that some creature has killed the man's civilization, has wiped out his planet, and that this man is a soul warrior who is trying to hunt this monster who is a humanoid monster, but it's it's very it's That's very abstract. What they describe it as is a humanoid. So Kirk is like, I don't believe you. This is this is dumb. <laughs> And it just, like, he doesn't ask, he, there are no good interview questions that he asks. And this happened in the last episode where he didn't ask those old men who, like, lived on this peaceful planet any specific questions to get to any sort of, like, fact-finding. There's no inquiry. It was just, you're a liar. That's not what happened. I'm going to leave the room now. And he could have just been like, okay. Hold on. Stop screaming, crazy man. What is your ship? I've never seen it before. What's the purpose? Why are you here? Like, he just lets the man rant and rave. It drove me crazy. Yeah. Also, what does this creature look like? How does he present a threat? What does he want? Yeah, no, they don't ask anything good. Um, Kirk just wants to pick him up and shake it so it falls out of his brain without words. Yes. And uh, portending just wonderful, wonderful things for this man's future in the episode. His name is Lazarus. <laughs> uh, I hated that. I did hate that. I I really hated that. I mean, you might as well have named him. Like, if they're going to go for a Bible one, why didn't they just go for Judas? Right? Like, if we're if you're just trying to tell the audience this person's like character, like this guy has something to do with the dead and he's not what he appears. All right. Well, I, it also bothers me because of all the times that they're like, well, an ancient earth thing, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, so you're going to tell me that they know about guns, but they don't know about the Bible. Like, come on. It's not consistent. That drives me nuts. They all beam down to the planet to do some investigation and suddenly there's a bunch of trippy lightning crud and it's really hard to follow what happens but we get the normal blink effect that that happens and then we get a new thing which emily alluded to earlier which is the most dim blue atmospheric effect of two men wrestling <laughs> it's very homoerotic this episode and while they're fighting, the camera is spinning. So it's like a roto, it's almost like a rotoscope thing, but it's it's not rotoscope, but it kind of looks like it. And then the camera is just spinning over and over and over as these two dim figures are fighting. So you're like, what the heck is going on? This is too long. <laughs> why why am I watching this? <laughs> and they like inverted the colors, right? So that's why they're like super white or bluish. And yeah. yeah. So. Lazarus like appears suddenly after this effect and he's all bloodied up and you you can kind of deduce that he was fighting something in this blink this blink event and he uh 
he was fighting the monster, I guess, and he's like, we gotta kill it, kill, 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 kill. He just starts yeah, screaming that just, over and over. He just starts screaming it very much. This guy needs Landru and the Purge because he does just get really intense. <laughs> kill, 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 kill. I do, I do love the first scene where he's like, "Come at me, come on, you motherfucker, let's do this." And like, there's the crazy blink effect that's happening. He's like, "I'm ready." And then he like runs off, and then there's like the fighting scene. I also have, uh, because of the like newspaper spinning kind of effect, uh, in my notes it says, "This just in, what a crazy episode." <laughs> and if you're listening to this and you're like, "Wait, hold on, I need to back up because I'm not sure what the plot is so far." Nope, you don't need to because I have explained it the way that it has been presented so far. Let me speed this up a little bit. Lazarus goes. Uh, back to the sick bay, and then um, Bones says to Kirk, "Oh my gosh, his wounds have been fully healed already from the fight." And Kirk is like, "Wow, that's uh, that's a pretty that's pretty spectacular." No, like Kirk, Kirk is doesn't like, believe him. Yeah, he's like fucking Bones, always trying to joke with me. Like you he's old like, alcoholic, you. Yeah, it's like come get a get your head fucking straight. We're in a bad situation. That's Bones. right. Stop playing practical jokes. And I'm just like, what an asshole Kirk is to like not be like, whoa, this is crazy. We've seen crazy things before, and I believe you, McCoy. He's like, fucking McCoy. Stop trying to, you know, fuck with me. Because that's what Picard would do. Picard would be like, oh, wow, this that's pretty spectacular. I'll get my the smartest person in the universe, Data, to look into this for you, to help you out. Like, you could tell Picard anything. Like, hey, I had a dream that I was transported to a planet and had, like, a whole uh, family. And there was, like, a wizard there. And I got a sword and then killed the wizard. And then, like, 30 years later, it was, like, a Narnia thing. And I came back. Picard would believe that because he's gone through some crazy stuff, too. But see, Kirk has the prescription that McCoy gives him called alcohol in which he forgets everything that happened the week before. <laughs> Okay, so here's just the natural, healthy way to do your job, Jim. Uh, so so McCoy lets Lazarus just go wander the ship. Kirk is like, (laughs) "Where is he right now?" And and he's like, "Oh, I don't know. I'm just a simple country doctor." And if I was Kirk, I'd grab that fucking doctor by the lapel and I'd be like, "No, where the fuck is he? Like, he's a security risk right now. I don't know who this guy is. He's pretty violent. He's raving around. Where is he?" He, McCoy just let him go to the bar. I, well, yeah, I know. Like McCoy's like, what? A, I'm a doctor, not a prison warden. Um, right. But there's multiple times in this episode where they just let Lazarus wander around the ship. Like, oh, multiple times. Where, wander like, at around least the twice. ship, but like wander into places that he should not be. Or like he opens up like a panel in the hallway and just pulls out like a dilithium crystal or something. And... I finally understood your rage, Clint. I was like, why are there not locks on any of these things? (laughs) But, like, multiple times, they just let him wander the ship without supervision, like a crazy guy who they don't trust. And they're just like, yeah, just let him wander around the ship. I don't... And he's... He's not sneaking. He literally is just standing up and walking away. And they're like, okay. (laughs) Yeah. So, so so Spock finds that there's like radiation on the planet and then it's a rip in the universe. Lazarus is there and he's like, oh, we can defeat the monster with your ship's dilithium crystals. I just remembered. 
And Kirk's like, no, we can't use those crystals. They power the ship. My beloved ship. It will harm the ship if we remove it. And well, too, like the uh, this is established earlier, but like the blinking effect drained the energy from the dilithium crystals, right? So engineering needs to reamplify the crystals. I'm quoting them here. Um, and I want to get to a part of the episode I want to talk to is that there's a lieutenant masters and it's a black woman. So I think that was pretty cool that they yeah, had a black she... lady engineer. I noted that as well. And she's like, she's in the episode quite a bit. She has like speaking roles. I really, I thought, yeah, I thought that was great. Yeah, that was cool. In the original script, in the first draft of the script, Lazarus was supposed to like seduce her and then use her to like take over the ship. Uh, oh, no. Much, much like, like in Starseed. Yeah, like with Khan and that other chick. But then they thought it was too similar to that, and so they ended up not doing that, which I'm super happy about. I mean, that is nice because that has never stopped them before. Yes, from making bad decisions like that. Yeah, I also want to... Like making things that are almost exactly the same. I guess since we're talking about her, right, we should, we should bring this up too. There's a part where, like, Lazarus, he sabotages the ship and he causes, like, a fire in engineering... So they have to evacuate. And then uh, Masters like calls the bridge, right? And she says, hey, there's a fire. And then we cut to the bridge. And Uhura says, oh, there's been a fire that's been reported on engineering. So my question is, is did start this Star Trek episode or Star Trek in general, like, did it just pass the Bechtel test? I was wondering that because I was about to say this doesn't pass the Bechdel test, but I guess in that sense, the Lieutenant is radio radioing Ohura. So I guess you're right because two women have a conversation. That's not about a man. Two women with names. With names. Yeah. Yeah. Have a conversation about a fire, not a man. A fire. I don't know, but is it a conversation if it's just, there's a fire on the bridge and then she turns (laughs) around and says that to a man yeah i don't think that's a conversation they have an exchange no no they have to it's not a conversation they have to talk to each other that's in the bechtel test they have to talk to each other but like one person giving an order or a piece of information is not talking to each other so much i don't know i'm gonna say i'm gonna say like a 70 percent bechtel test it passes just barely. Yes, that's what I was thinking too. Like it passes the Bechdel test, but it still hit its head on the bar. You know, like it it barely pass. It's like the least you can do to pass the Bechdel test. Right. Has, like just barely. Has the show passed the Bechdel test before? I was looking through it, and I was looking at like there was. Um, I don't think it passed it in the what little girls are made of with the android, right? Um, there was Mud's women, and I think they only talk about men in that yeah. episode. And then there's Miri, and I don't know if um, who I mean I know our beloved Janice Rand is there, but I don't remember her talking to Miri. They do talk, but I think they talk about Kirk because Miri has a crush on Kirk. That's and right. I they could have though been talking about the disease as well, but I don't remember them talking about. I think they might talk about the disease. So they might have passed it. What about the one with the android, Ruck? You said that one didn't pass? 
I don't. Th- I don't know. I don't you think don't so. Think Andrea and the wife talk. They might, but I think they talk about the doctor, like her, her husband or fiance or whatever. That's true. That's true. Yeah. So maybe. Yeah, Mary... I think you're right. I think this is the first time. Well, well while you guys have been it. talking, I've been looking at the original script for this episode, and uh-huh. they had to do a lot of work to to just redo this episode because the the main guy who was going to play Lazarus dropped out. And so they had to find a replacement for him and they had to rewrite the script and they were thinking about throwing out the episode completely. So it was a hot mess. But in the original script, when um, masters contacts Uhura about the fire, she says there's a fire in engineering and then there's a semicolon. And then it says, do you think Spock thinks I'm weird? Well, I will say, aside from the Bechdel test, the there's a really cool camera trick that they're doing with this scene where uh, Masters has this like subordinate engineer who's like this white dude, and the uh, Shakespearean Lazarus knocks him out and then sets him in a, a chair and then like positions it so Masters walks behind him and thinks he's just sitting in the chair. But the way that it's shot is that this guy passed out is like put in the middle of the shot and then all the action kind of happens behind him. And that was a really, really cool shot. Like I was shocked at how innovative it was. You know, we've just gotten like wide pans of the whole scenes or like close ups on people's faces. Um, And this was that was like a really cinematic uh, framing. It was pretty cool. Mm -hmm. There were some really cool shots in this. Also, speaking of what a mess the shooting was, which is, I mean, it just happens sometimes, but do you know who was supposed to originally play Lazarus? Drew Barrymore. Well, yeah, her father. Oh. <laughs> Maybe her in, in sperm form. She is still a, cool. still a wink in her father's eye. or A, a blink. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah, a blink. Yeah. Uh... <laughs> Twinkle. <laughs> I will also say, knowing that this is a hot mess makes sense, because... Lazarus is holding, he's chasing this guy through space and time. And that's like the plot of an H.G. Wells novel, The Time Machine, where someone has to like get in a time machine and chase like Jack the Ripper or something, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that, they do... you can kind of see these elements here, but not fully developed. They do throw in, and I forget when this happens, but they just throw in the fact that he's a time traveler. I don't feel like that really affects anything. Like, <laughs> but like they're like oh yeah he's a time traveler yeah and um they also i don't think ever explain fully maybe they do that like lazarus and the head wound situation with bones is because the monster is like lazarus but lazarus gone crazy from a different universe like it's no. the same guy Yes and no. Clint, will will you please explain it to us? Uh, And I just want to set up really quick what you're explaining. They, Lazarus steals the crystals. He goes back down to do something with the crystals. They beam down to go look for Lazarus. And um, he falls off the cliff again when he does this, by the way. (laughs) Or when they go down there. Um, Back up in the sick bay, we rinse and repeat the same scene. Where they're like, okay, tell us what's really going on, bud, because you're you're just we you're acting real, real loony like, 
And there is a huge exposition dump where we find out that Lazarus is, and you'll please correct me here, Lazarus exists in two universes, that there's a parallel universe, that there's a positive and a negative one. Lazarus mm-hmm. is a time traveler, and mm-hmm. there's a second Lazarus that is like changing places with the good Lazarus every time that there's a blink. Mm-hmm. I gathered yes. the, the real problem is that the acting between the two Lazaruses is like the, the that character is basically the same character. You're never like, oh, it's the good one. Oh, now it's the bad one. The only thing no, you get is that the wounds a, are different. Whether or not he has a he has a bandaid on his forehead. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I just okay. do not understand what was going on. Yes. No. You. I. You. You pretty much have most of the of the idea, and it's hard to follow too. So. There are parallel universes, right? But in this instance, there's our universe, which is a matter universe, and then another universe that's an antimatter universe. And I guess they're the same, right? They're just parallel universes, one antimatter, one matter. So the antimatter universe discovered the matter universe, and the antimatter people devised a way to go into the matter universe. And once they did that, Lazarus anti anti Lazarus met positive Lazarus right, and that broke positive Lazarus's mind. He just couldn't he couldn't fathom or get his hand around the fact that there was another antimatter universe that existed, and so that drove him insane. And I think um, he like that like. Lazarus then, I don't know, started a war or something like that. Both planets were devastated for some reason. I don't know if it's because of some like antimatter explosion or something like that, but Lazarus hates anti-Lazarus and he's trying to get into the other universe to kill him. And then whenever the blinking effect happens, they fight in this like corridor between the two universes where they can safely interact with each other and they can fight each other. But if one person was able to get into the other universe and they touch, then both universes would explode, I think is what would happen. It's very confusing. So what I I want to do with this episode is when whoever edits this, I want that two minutes you just spent to have that editing effect where like your voice is all echoey and it's like just little fragments of what you're saying just kind of gets dotted in and out and like overlapping (laughs) what you said before so it sounds like you've been talking for uh 45 minutes yeah that seems reasonable um and i'm just gonna say okay okay i'm uh, in my notes i have this episode has everything time travelers antimatter battles black lady engineers it's the craziest thing of all but why is there a time machine like why do they call it a time machine they're not traveling back in time they're just like going into a parallel universe so it's not a time machine and it was i was so confused why they set that up they should have not introduced a time travel element. This episode has enough stuff in it. It didn't need a time travel thing. I don't know why time travel is a part of this, but it is. The The last thing I want to say about all this is the second Kirk is like, oh, there's a positive universe and a negative universe. Whoa. And he's the one that figures it out, not Spock, by the way. Yeah. At, at this point, I paused the episode and I looked at the clock and we were 28 minutes in 
to a 49, 48 minute episode. And I was like, oh, Lazarus is two people and they're fighting each other. <laughs> that is going to get teased out for a long time. Yeah. This episode moves really fast at the beginning. And then it kind of like, you know, it has the soggy middle syndrome where it's just like it moves super fast. And then the middle is kind of like, and then it finishes. So what's it? I don't know. I, I mean, listen, I'm sitting here silently, like agreeing with all of you. Like, you're right. This is correct. But I still like enjoyed watching it the whole time. Hey, (laughs) it was just, I don't know. Um, all of our, almost all of our favorites were there. They were like peak form, peak Kirk, peak bones. Uh, like, there's a scene where Kirk and Spock have like this logical rundown where they're just like talking about what's going on and what they know and what they should do. And I was like, this is very Picard and Riker. Uh, Lazarus did not make any sense, but that to me is like a more reasonable thing for a villain to be than just like, I hate everyone. I don't know. I, ju- I genuinely had a great time watching this. Also, the whole time I was like, why don't you just kill Lazarus? That solves all of your problems. I was thinking the same thing. I was thinking the same thing. I'm not here to yuck your yum, Emily. I agree with you. Like this episode is beautiful in its insanity and its chaos. Like it's chaotic and it doesn't make sense, but there's a beauty in it that they've created in this episode. So it's just, it's just weirdly fun instead of being like really overwrought. And like, I feel like a lot of times the episodes try so hard to like mean something. Mm-hmm. And this one just doesn't at all. It's just like pure shenanigans. It's like the one where they all get drunk and run around fighting each other. (laughs) But that that episode is funny and it has a bunch of memorable moments. This episode is just the same scenes repeated over and over. Remember we had the scene where Lazarus stole the crystals and then beamed down to the planet? Well, he only did that. He only stole half of them the first time. So he had to do it a second time after McCoy's like, hey, I don't want any security in this room. Get out of here. (laughs) Lazarus immediately gets up the second McCoy leaves the room, goes down to the engineering, steals more crystals. We have the same exact scene. Basically, he warps, he beams down to the planet. It just repeats the same scenes over and over. The stupid rotoscoping camera spinning thing. Yeah, that happens eight or nine times, and each time it happens, it lasts probably 15 to 20 seconds, and you just have to sit there and watch it. Like, there are no, like, ha-ha, that was a funny kind of cheesy moment. It's just, I feel like this episode had, was trying to be, like, super serious, and it was trying to say, like, a really, I don't I don't even know what the PSA was in this episode. It was, like, <laughs> if you're, like, uh, so remember, kids, if you ever find the alternate version of yourself in another parallel universe, you might have to fight it Don't for fight, eternity in a sex. corridor to save everybody. Makes you think, doesn't it? See, I like that it doesn't have a PSA. When it has a PSA, I'm like, Jesus Christ, jump off a cliff. But I will say, here's a counterpoint. There's a part where Lazarus and Kirk are fighting, and it is the most sexual thing. There's, like, Lazarus picks up Kirk by, like, putting his arms around his waist, like, picks him up. Kirk's legs go around him. And then he pushes Kirk against the hood of the spaceship. Like, it it looks like they're about to have sex. It is the exact same choreography. 
that has to be this is like the fight at the end of the episode or whatever but that has to be the worst choreographed fight we've seen in star trek yeah but again i think it is just like choreography from a sex scene like the actor who plays lazarus is like they're like oh shit we didn't have time to choreograph this and he's like oh hey i just did this movie and maybe with a couple changes you know we can make it work Shatner, are you willing to do this? And he's just like, yeah, whatever. And I mean, it it seriously looks like, you know, the Duke is finally going to ravage the princess in disguise who's been cleaning his house this whole time. <laughs> I just wanted to go back to Corey was talking about how McCoy gets really mad and kicks out the security guard from his med bay he's like get this overgrown muscle man out of here and i'm like why are you mad at the security guard he's not even doing anything like he's sitting in the corner being quiet because kirk hurt his feelings and (laughs) mccoy can't process that so he has to be a dick to someone else (laughs) but i'm like this guy's like if the guy was like being like oh you can't let him out of that that's a security risk or something like that That, i could understand that but he's just being quiet in a corner and then McCoy's like, this guy's bugging me. Get him the fuck out of here. <laughs> That's what I mean. Like, it was just like a full episode of like, everyone was just full of it. Also, we do find out how big this enterprise is. Uh, Kirk says that he has to take care of 450 other people, which means that there are 451 people about, aboard the enterprise. That makes sense. I, I feel like we've heard statements like that before. Uh, no, we haven't. Okay. It's the All first right. time we've we've gotten the, the crew roster. Yeah. I'm going to try and wrap the rest of the plot up in one yeah, long sentence. Okay, go for it. Kirk has to go down to the planet by himself in order to get the crystals back because crystals make the ship go. Mm-hmm. He, semicolon, he goes <laughs> to the ship... And Lazarus, bad Lazarus is there. Kirk touches the ship and he's transported to Twilight Dimension where good Lazarus is. Long Dash. This good Lazarus tells Kirk that they can stop bad Lazarus if Kirk goes back and forces bad Lazarus into the the Blue Man Corridor where good mm-hmm. Lazarus will meet him there and trap him for eternity in some sort of a purgatory um and then colon he does this and the episode ends yes yes and then lazarus and lazarus are trapped in the corridor for all eternity fighting each other because crazy lazarus hates anti-lazarus and so now they have to fight each other for the rest of time and and kirk like wax poetic about this at the end he's just like Mm -hmm. oh i'm so sad for poor lazarus he has to do this for all of us. He saved two universes. Again, but... you could have just murdered him. Yes, yes, you could have just murdered him. And Kirk is is like legitimately sad that they lost Lazarus, but they saved the two universes. He didn't even know this guy. He, he met good Lazarus for maybe like 20 seconds. And also, they're operating under this, this, this false thinking that they're gonna fight for eternity like being in this corridor just makes you immortal like they're not they're not gonna need food or water and they're not gonna sleep and that like the lack of nutrition is going to eventually kill them like you would think that that's what would happen there's no indication that being in this corridor locks you in there for eternity yeah that's a good question yeah yeah 
you also missed an important part, which is uh, at one point someone asked Lazarus, how's your head? And they missed a real opportunity for him to just reply with, I've never gotten any complaints. <laughs> real missed opportunity. <laughs> hey, can we review this pile of garbage? Yeah. Okay. So, Corey. What no, I want to go you... last. Okay. On a scale, on a scale of z- one to five, fifty uh, spaceships. What is that sentence? <laughs> like instead about... of saying one to five stars, it's one to five fifty spaceships. Oh. How many spaceships will you give it? <laughs> I thought you said on a scale of one to five, fifty being a spaceship. <laughs> this episode is banana. Seventeen. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna go first. I want to say you have to leave that in because that is like a classic Emily and Clint conversation. <laughs> like throughout our years of friendship, that happens with like a surprising frequency. <laughs> yeah, where you say something, or one of us say this happens all the time. Yeah, where one of us says something and then the other person's like, "What? Literally, what is happening?" <laughs> What did you guys think of this episode? Okay, I'm going to go first. I'm going to say I didn't hate this episode. That's my that's that's my That's all. Rating. That's your yeah. rating? Yeah, I didn't hate it, but it was I crazy. mean, listen, I freely admit that this is a lobster pot of chaos, but it's a soup that I am willing to eat and eat for leftovers. I I genuinely like like I had fun watching this. I can't recommend it because I know it's not good but uh yeah i liked it i i wouldn't put it on a list of the top five best episodes but i would definitely put it on a list of the top five episodes that i have enjoyed watching the most so far yes it's like it can be your favorite episode but you can admit that it's not a great episode like it's not a well put together episode yeah that's how i feel about it yeah yeah i liked it i I, that's that's a defensible position to take emily i respect that okay how did you feel I felt, you know, after like talking to you guys, I kind of want to amend what I'm saying because actually I think that this episode is a five out of five episode. Oh my. And the five represents um, matter. And I'd like to give it a second rating, if you will allow me. Five, which is And my second rating (laughs) is five out of five antimatter, which (laughs) collide with each other and give this uh, a big goose egg. The sets are boring. The t- script is terrible. There's a stupid beard. There's pointless special effects. There's an obvious twist. There's stupid characters that do dumb things. And just the entire plot just moves the speed of frozen garbage. So this was the worst episode of TOS that I've ever seen. I waste. I, I watched this on a Saturday night. I wasted my evening. And you know what came on next after I watched this episode? Because I threw on some TNG to go to sleep to evolution came up and i had to watch that episode too and then the episode where wesley like woke up in the episode where wesley like goes and helps the uh american indians out and he's all moody that episode was on after that so it was a pretty bad night for me uh the like the hate of the yeah this is brought to your heart is just like the icing on this beautiful cake <laughs> and i'm gonna eat it all up this is delicious nom 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 Nom, nom, nom. All right, everyone. Well, <laughs> I think that's it for this episode. So I hope you enjoyed it. Thanks for joining us. And until we see you next time, keep on trekking.
It was the speed of frozen garbage. So this was the worst episode <laughs> of TOS that I've ever seen. I waste. I, I watched this on a Saturday night. I wasted my evening. And you know what came on next after I watched this episode? Because I threw on some TNG to go to sleep to. Evolution came up. And I had to watch that episode too. And then the episode where Wesley like woke up in the episode where Wesley like goes and helps the uh, American Indians out and he's all moody. That episode was on after that. So it was a pretty bad night for me. Oh, the, like the hate of the, yeah, this has brought to your heart is just like the icing on this beautiful cake <laughs> and I'm going to eat it all up. This is delicious. Nom, nom, nom. Nom, nom, nom. All right, everyone. Well, <laughs> I think that's it for this episode. So I hope you enjoyed it. Thanks for joining us. And until we see you next time, keep on trekking. It was the speed of frozen garbage. So this was the worst episode <laughs> of TOS that I've ever seen. I waste, I, I watched this on a Saturday night. I wasted my evening. And you know what came on next after I watched this episode? Because I threw on some TNG to go to sleep to. Evolution came up and I had to watch that episode too. And then the episode where Wesley like woke up in the episode where Wesley like goes and helps the uh, American Indians out and he's all moody. That episode was on after that. So it was a pretty bad night for me. Oh, the, like the hate of the, yeah, this has brought to your heart is just like the icing on this beautiful cake. <laughs> and I'm going to eat it all up. This is delicious. Nom, nom, nom. Nom, nom, nom. All right, everyone. Well, <laughs> I think that's it for this episode. So I hope you enjoyed it. Thanks for joining us. And until we see you next time, keep on trekking.